Welcome back to the Spirit and Truth Podcast. I am Maggie Almer, and it's another testimony episode, and it's my turn. That's right, Matt and Emma are doing the question asking, and I am answering questions about my early walk with Jesus, how I came to Christ, and a few other stories sprinkled in there. I had a lot of fun recording this conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. So what are we talking about today, friends? We're talking about you, Maggie. Oh, goody. He's <laughs> goody. Yeah. So uh, in case uh, you didn't know, every once in a while, we feel like it's a good idea to let you all have a, a, a little inside track, a picture to, into some of our testimonies. And I guess today's my turn. Yay. Yeah, we thought it would be cool, uh, you know, uh, we we recorded one of these with Emma, and we thought it'd be cool just to take turns, both uh, so that folks can get to know these weird personalities on the podcast, <laughs> but also uh, we just want to give glory to God for the ways that he's worked in each of our lives, because each one of us is a walking miracle in one way or another. That's, That's the truth. truth. And so, um, yeah, we want to praise the Lord because of the way he's uh, transformed our lives. All right. Well, so are you gonna are you gonna ask yourself questions? Because normally you're the one guiding. This I know. Shit. I don't. Uh, what do you guys want to know? <laughs> I would love actually. Can can you do just a solo interview <laughs> and then respond to your own questions? No, I cannot. So Maggie, think of anything more. Tell awkward. me about your childhood. <laughs> okay. Well, Maggie. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'll go ahead. First of all, uh, let's go way back to the very beginning oh dear <laughs> no tell us a little bit about uh, what life was like growing up for you and um i know you've had different kind of phases of your spiritual journey mm-hmm. how did you come to christ what was that process like for you and what is your life like now walking with christ compared to when in your younger days well they could not be more different but um I came to Christ very simply and um, and I actually have really grown to love the way that I came to Christ because at first when people would say, how did you first come to Jesus? I would think, well, this is, isn't a very exciting story. Nothing. There was no like flashbang. Whoa, the Lord is real moment. It was very simple. But now I love that because people always imagine you have to have this big experience. And I think, no, not at all. Um, I came to Christ when I was in junior high. And uh, I was sitting in the lunchroom of Langston Hughes Middle School with a couple of my friends. And one of them was talking about going to church. And I said, oh, what's church? You know, I and and of course, I've told this story to my mom and she was like, that's ridiculous. Of course, you knew what church was. But I don't I don't feel like I did. Like I didn't grow up going to church. I mean, like we weren't very particularly churched family so she said she was talking about church and of course she looked at me like I had you know an extra head growing out of my neck what do you mean what's church I was like yeah what's church what do you do there she said that's where she goes to worship Jesus Christ and I asked who's Jesus and she said Jesus Christ is the son of God and he died for your sins and in that moment I knew it was true I just had an experience of the Holy Spirit. I didn't wow. have language for it at that time. Yeah, how old are you then? 13, wow. 12, 13. Yeah. 
And it was like, you ever have like the cone of silence experience where it feels like time slows down? And that's what it felt like. It was like the atmosphere around me just changed in an instant. And I couldn't hear anything. Mm. I just heard this like rushing sound, like water or wind inside my head. And I heard a voice say, that's home. Wow. Our printer just started to do stuff. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're sitting in the Spirit and Truth office and about to perform an exorcism <laughs> on it's this Emma. printer because it just started sending stuff in the middle of our podcast. Which Emma said to it like almost 20 minutes ago. <laughs> How did that even it happen? It might keep going, just for the record. How much stuff did you print? Well, when it didn't print the first time... <laughs> I pressed print a few more times. Oh, my. <laughs> we can cut all of that out. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think this should be it. Let's just get this. Do we there. need to hit cancel on anything? No. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. Back to okay. the profound story. So, uh, so, anyway, but that's how I came to Jesus. I just knew that that was home, and I knew it was true, mm-hmm. like, in the core of my being. And I literally went home. She invited me to church. And I said, yes, I will be there. And I went home. And like junior high students often do when they tell their parents what their weekend plans are going to be, it was understandably not received well. <laughs> I was like, Mom, we're going to church on Sunday. And she was like, what? But um, she was. it was pretty awesome, actually, what the Lord did because I was so insistent mm. that she did end up going. And while we didn't end up at that church, my insistence on going to church actually led my mom back to church, too. Wow. And <clears throat> that was, re- I mean, that was really cool. She shared that with me years and years later. We were just talking about faith kind of things. And she's like, you know, if you hadn't been such a pest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, anyway, that's how I came to Christ. That's amazing. In fact, I mean, just think about the grace of God in that that one little conversation Super that can easy, yeah. change the trajectory of your whole life. Yeah, and my mother is too, I would say. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's why, like, I mean, not to veer off into, you know, what Spirit and Truth does, but that's why I love it so much because... You know, people are like, I can't talk about my faith. I'm like, yeah, you really can. Yeah. It's so easy. Yeah. You know, that you don't have nothing complicated. Well, that's just a perfect example of just one person, just simple, open Mm -hmm. conversation, Mm -hmm. nothing especially profound, but the Holy Spirit doesn't need our profundity. Not at all. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. like. Uh, wow, that's 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 awesome. Now tell us a little bit, you know, after that, I know your journey with Christ, there have been times where, you know, you weren't walking with the Lord like you are now. No. And so tell us a little bit, like, you don't have to give us all the, the nitty gritty, but fast forward from then to more present and some of, some of your spiritual journey in between. Okay, so... Um I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to generalize and say, well, you know, he, I'm trying to think of like what it was that sort of led me away from the Lord. But I, I think a lot, part of it was I just didn't have great discipleship, mm. you know, like I, I was just running on the fumes of sort of like my own human curiosity and, um, and definitely some encounter with the Lord. But then there just wasn't a lot of structured, like 
movement that led me deeper. Mm -hmm. I was definitely traveling across the Christian landscape, but not necessarily like diving deep. So the first time that I encountered any real kind of like struggle in life. So it's pretty common for after young people graduate from high school and then they get out into the world a little bit, you know, I didn't handle my freedom very well. And, and I was a little overwhelmed by it. And I was a little, um, probably overly indulgent in, in what was, you know, allowed or Mm -hmm. so. And there weren't a lot of limiters in my environment. You know, I just didn't, I wasn't actively going to church. I moved to a different state to go to school. You know, everybody around me told me exactly what I wanted to hear because we were just all young people. There was no, you know, like no one was saying, hey, that's a bad idea. (laughs) So, um, and I did typical things, you know, like I I had relationships I shouldn't have had and I, um, you know, drank too much and stayed out too late and did dumb things. So, but, and that ultimately, I will say, resulted in me becoming a single mother when I was quite young. So I had my first child when I was 21 or 22 years old. I got pregnant when I was 21. And nothing snaps you out of that, like mm-hmm. getting pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, and. Is that, what, is, is that what you would say? Was that a turning point that led you? sort of back to the Lord or, or what was it that, that took you out of that season? You know, you're, you talked about this, you know, amazing moment where you kind of realize, realize that God is real and that Jesus is the one who can save you. Yeah. And then you drift away over these years. But what, what brought you back to the point that now, obviously, like Jesus is the focus of your entire life, everything that you do. Yeah. Well, so I just want to clarify that when I was drifting, I still... I still talked to the Lord every day, but I talked to him in a very, um, you know, he was sort of like someone I stuck in my pocket and when it was convenient for me to like, Mm -hmm. you know, deal with him or then I would be like, Hey Lord, what do you think about blah, blah, blah. But I used to like on a Friday night, get ready to go out with friends. And I would be like, Lord, now, you know, I'm probably going to do something sinful tonight. (laughs) And I would like confess before I did anything. And, um, now of course I can laugh about that, but in the moment, I, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but I also see how utterly wrongheaded that is it's Mm. not actually the way that works (laughs) at all um but the grace in that was even that sort of like misshapen habit was what i leaned on initially Mm. and it was in true crisis though that the ineffectiveness of it was revealed so when i found out i was pregnant um like right away literally walking home from my doctor's appointment. So I walk, I lived within walking distance of where I had that doctor's appointment. And I was walking home, and it was February and freezing cold. And I just remember thinking, I am going to have a baby. And I heard in my spirit just a really loud, yes, you are. Wow. And um, I know that's a sensitive topic for a lot of people. You know, people get into those circumstances and they make all kinds of decisions. And and it's funny because I, I really have no judgment. Of course, I, th- I think certain things are right and other things are not right. But in that moment, the certainty of what it would mean to have a baby 
I didn't think about like, oh, how will I do this? Oh, what does that mean for my life? I just felt the certainty of the yes, you are. And encompassed all within that was it will be okay. Mm-hmm. And that, there was something about that certainty, that comfort, that all-encompassing God voice where I just thought, I am not as in charge of my life as I think I am. Wow. And so you call it a turning point, but it was really like hitting a brick wall. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like it wasn't like a turning point. It was like a slam on the brakes because if you continue down this road, you know, it will not go well for you. So I, I just, yeah, from that moment on, I pretty much, I finished out my time. I was in the middle of finishing up my educational stuff and I finished that out. I moved home. I mean, I don't think I've missed a Sunday since then. Wow. You know, I went home and I was like, Jesus it was a come to Jesus moment. Oh, <laughs> yes, legit. <laughs> so, oh um, yeah. Now, when now I I have to bring him into this uh, because yeah, he's one of my best friends and favorite people on the planet. Uh-huh. Maybe my favorite besides my wife. <laughs> and I'm speaking of your husband. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's one of my favorites too. Uh, when did Rob come into the picture? Because this. Sometime not terribly long after yeah, that, right? Not long, no, yeah, not long at all. Uh, so I had the baby. I had my oldest son Ian when I was 22, and then I met Rob when I was probably actually really only 24. Okay. We started. We were hired by the same theater company, and we were just coworkers, and um, you know, we were both actors at the time, and he was. You know, he's a little bit younger than I am, so he was really only 22 when we met. And we were just friends for a long, long time. But um, a second year, at the end of our first year of working together, the Lord told me I was going to marry him. Like, we weren't dating. (laughs) It was super awkward. Um, You know, we were working on a project together, and I saw him, and I heard the Lord say, you're going to marry him. And I, like, turned around and ran the other direction because I was like, wow, that's really awkward. And also, I really don't even think I want to get married. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know, Lord, you're gonna have to really, you're gonna have to work something out there. <laughs> but, um, um, but we, I mean, I don't know how to explain what happened because it was just bizarre. It was weird. It was God. We were really good friends, and um, we just started to hang out. And basically as we we hung out a couple times and then we ended up praying together and rob was a christian and he i'm not going to tell his story but he had like a radical encounter with the lord not not like me he had a radical encounter with the lord and so he had been growing in boldness in his christian faith and i would see that when we would work Mm -hmm. together like he would talk about jesus and when we would work on projects you know just in the normal course of conversation he would be like you know i'm just looking for someone who i can share my faith with who I can and internally in my spirit I mean I was totally in denial because I was very non-committal but in my spirit it was like it's you you dummy (laughs) (laughs) wow um uh so we just started to talk and then you know six weeks after we started talking he said I think we should get married and I said yeah I think we should do it. <laughs> wow and then we were married six weeks yeah oh then my we're, less than a year later we were married so. I, I love that actually uh, Heidi and I have a little bit of a similar I know, story I know. so I'm all for that yeah 
so now, uh, how long have you been married now? Um, well, 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. So I guess, uh, I guess it God knew out. what he was doing. Yeah. 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 That's good. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Okay. Let's fast forward a little bit because, uh, now I want to move up to more, uh, for folks that don't know, you, you've done a lot of interesting things. You started a theater company. Uh, you've been a professional chef, all kinds of <laughs> interesting things. You just have a very mm-hmm. interesting life. Yeah. How do you now find yourself working for a missionary ministry at Spirit and Truth, helping to equip churches in supernatural stuff and sharing their faith and disciple making? What brings you to this point in your life? Well, I, I mean, I think... It makes sense in my head because I this is the thing I've always been waiting for and looking for and wanting. And I think, you know, you brought up Rob, my husband, and he's been a huge part of that, not just because he also had a calling in ministry and was a, a pastor. He was is a pastor. Um, and he's been a pastor for quite a while now. Yeah, he's uh, the almost the entirety whole, of our marriage. Right, yeah. yeah. And... Um, yeah. In fact, I just one of the things that people always ask me is, was he a pastor before or after you got married? And he became a pastor about a year into us being married. And people are always like, how, why did you, <laughs> why was that okay? And I'm like, yeah, I get that question. <laughs> anyway, but um, the all of the things, like my love of creative things, you know, like fine and performing arts and writing and, and all of these different things that I did, even cooking, um, are all sort of, I don't know, just facets of, of, I think, just part of who I am and what I try to bring to ministry, which is I've always been like a, a weird kind of bridge kind of person, meaning a bridge between sort of more esoteric, maybe like intellectual things and really super duper practical things. Mm. I really don't like it when the intellectual floats off into purely conceptual things. I get pretty irritated by that actually (laughs) because it's not what the Christian life is at all you know the Christian life is really about making those things manifest in the day-to-day life you know like the Holy Spirit talking to you while you fold the laundry and as far as how I came to work at Spirit and Truth I mean there's there's a kind of a practical sort of step-by-step narrative that goes along with that but really if, if I were going to tell the story in terms of the spiritual arc of where the Holy Spirit was leading me and Rob, I would say Rob and I got married. He was in seminary, and we just began to have this heart cry for, for a particular way that the church could look and yeah. be. And we've just prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed <clears throat> throughout the entire course of our marriage together. And there came a point when I remember when he, you guys were in crucible together when he was going through the ordination process, right? Yeah. Just for, uh, for folks not in West Ohio area, that's the name that they applied to because <laughs> it sounds real Terrible. intense. Uh, that's the name they applied to kind of your, um, provisional years formation experience that yeah. the conference puts on for, uh, during your ordination process. Yeah. So you guys were in crucible together and I remember him talking about you and being like, Oh, this guy's great. He's a great preacher, you know, all this stuff. And then you went off and did some other things. And then, but there just came a moment where I was like, I know that all of these different people in streams. So Matt, 
and Heidi Reynolds and Maggie and Rob Ulmer and the church and the ministry and all these things. I was like, I know these things are going to converge. Mm-hmm. And that's how it happened because the Lord said, all of these things are going to converge and they did. Amen. But you know, anyway, I, that is kind of a rambly answer, but mostly because I can't explain how it happened. No, it's I know. totally random. Uh, I, I mean, I have this vivid memory of sitting in uh, our living room, I don't know, a couple years ago or something, and just hearing you all talk about your longing for the church. You know, I I already kind of knew it, but you hearing you articulate that in your spiritual journey, you and Rob, and then Heidi and I being able to share a little bit of our story, it just, I felt like, praise God, he like let our paths cross because... We're all longing for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Yes. Hmm. What are you thinking, Emma? That's cool. (laughs) I just, I guess I've never looked at like Maggie and Rob's story compared to Matt and Heidi's story. There's just some really similar, you know. Yeah, it's interesting. It's cool how the Lord brought you guys together. Yeah, one of them is. if you know you're going to get married, might as well just do it. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. I am all for that. And we're coming up on 18 years as well. Yeah. So it's like, you know. You just, yeah. If you know, you know. Just yeah. go for it. Just do it. <laughs> get the tax benefits. Okay, I got, I, I have two follow-up questions uh, from things that you've said that have just been on my mind. And I'll give you a preview so you can think about it. One relates to... Um, kind of your propensity for theological reflection and even practically how you have to work with academics in your current role. Mm -hmm. And then the second one has to do with your openness, how you became so open to the supernatural and the prophetic. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll start with the, the, the more academic side, because you alluded to that already in your role, you know, you, uh, you're the managing editor for Firebrand. You're also on, um, another podcast, which is part of the spirit and truth podcast network. And, wrangling a couple of uh, full-time academics on that podcast. And it's interesting, just your story, you know, it wouldn't immediately just lead you to to a place where you think that you would be someone engaging with academic circles on a regular basis or, um, you know, just you have a, you do, um, you have a a sharp mind for theological reflection. You're well-versed in classical literature, um, and you find yourself in these spheres, with, like with Firebrand, where you're working with an editorial board of some of the top Wesleyan scholars, really across the country. Uh, how did that? How did that happen? And what is it? Um, what gives you this uh, intrigue with these academic disciplines and and the sort of theological side of the Christian faith? Well, um, believe it or not. The answer to that goes all the way back to my background in theater. And I mean, not to jump on a hobby horse here, but, you know, uh, the separation, like, I mean, the arts really formed me deeply in the intellectual tradition. So, um, you know, theater has been around since for as long as human beings have been around. Art has been around expression. And so as I, I was a very 
intense student of my craft because I did it from the time I was about 12 or 13 years old until I was, you know, well into adulthood. I worked in theater and um, in various capacities. I was on stage. I was, you know, um, working in arts administration. I worked with writers. I did research. So, you know, people always think of art as being somewhat frivolous and, including philosophers from the ancient world. Um, and it can be very frivolous, but one of the things that we need to remember, and I think scripture demonstrates this really well, is that expression is, and, and sort of artistic expression, is a natural part of the human experience. Mm. I mean, you look at the Psalms, look at Song of Songs, look at poetry all throughout scripture. Yeah. You know, what did Miriam do after they crossed the Red Sea? She sang, she proclaimed God's goodness, and she did it in a way that was this heightened expression. So... Even, uh, I'm not to interrupt you, no, but even ahead. just like, um, I was just recently, I've been reading through First Kings and thinking about the intricacy and precision of the temple mm -hmm. And the mm -hmm. materials and all of that. I mean, it's all craftsmanship, all art, really. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And um, it, even that's. I love that that story because uh, is it in First Kings or maybe in Leviticus somewhere where it talks about the Holy Spirit empowering the artisans. Mm. And anyway, all that to say, that's where that was formed. My father was also a fine artist. He was a painter and loved philosophy, and he raised his daughters, his his two daughters, to really engage the life of the mind and so that's where that began what where it began to diverge for me is when I was 12 13 years old and I had this encounter with Christ and I became a follower of Jesus I what I began to see is that um, intellectualism for intellectualism's sake mm -hmm. or art for art's sake is actually not right but you know these things as a way to express the glory of God or done unto the Lord, the way Thomas Aquinas did, um, you know, that is, is magnificent. It's yeah. wonderful. So that's where that background came from. And then it just didn't happen to be my path that I pursued academics specifically. I think partially because like I said, I'm, theater is also very practical. Art is very practical. Like you have to like build stuff and do stuff. And, and I, I, just the academic, purely academic life for me personally was like not enough. You know, I didn't want to study <laughs> as much as that required. And I, I, I feel like I Which can Which is interesting that. because you actually, of anyone that I know, you probably just study things oh, on yeah. your own more than anyone that I know. You're always like, it's always fascinating to me. You've got some uh, topic that you just... You were like, I was researching the other day. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> you I know, know exactly what I mean? I know. what you're talking about. It's true. And actually, but here's how it happens. No one's telling you to do it. It's just like, well, don't you? I don't know. Like, so for instance, <laughs> one thing that I've been thinking a lot about lately is ambition. What does godly ambition look like? Exactly. So I pray and then the Lord answers my questions and then I read scripture and then I look for other books. Because curiosity is, mm -hmm. is a beautiful thing when it's done unto the Lord. Anyway, all that to say, I... Just I, for the... Just so you know, that's not normal. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe... No, it's beautiful. I love it, it about beautiful. you. Uh, but it is it isn't um, super common, I wouldn't say. I mean, that there's not lots of folks in all of our churches who are like, let me just spend a few weeks researching 
ambition, <laughs> you know? I don't know. Or like, you you know, I heard you talking about recently the formation of adolescence. And you like, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, I homeschooled my kids too, so. I know, but you just have always have these interesting things. Anyways, this is yeah, a side note. But, but we I, should be inspired. Oh, it's I cool. appreciate that. It's well, true. I love I love having a foot in that world, and I think the foot that I have in that world is, A, probably as much as they would allow me in because real academics are like they're a guild of their own, and I respect that, and, and it should be. Um, I think sometimes I'm a little bit of the thorn in a few of their sides to be like, yo, bring it down to earth. <laughs> um, but I feel really lucky in that most of the academics that I interact with have a strong sense of grounding theology in the Christian life. And, you know, Dr. David Watson, Dr. Scott Kisker are certainly two of those people. I'm on the podcast, Plain Truth, with them. And those are two of my favorite human beings on earth. Um, and I just want to say part of the reason I think I'm connected to Spirit and Truth is partially because they were willing to let me have a platform with them. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'll never, I mean, I'm very, very grateful for that because I was just a nervous, hot mess. The first, <laughs> I went back and I listened to some of those early episodes and I was like, ooh, this is not good. <laughs> so, okay, let's shift gears. I, I, I love that. And uh, one of the things that I love about you is the way in which uh, you, you engage with that world, the intellectual life, the life of the mind as a Christian. But you also, like like some academics do that by, and then they turn off any sort of um, openness to the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I, you know, I love David Watson, he's a good friend, is the same kind of thing. He's, a, he's serious about the intellectual life, about understanding theology and digging into the, you know, disciplines of in in that world at the same time he's completely open and this is what i I see in you just utterly open to the miraculous and the supernatural and so how did you come to that place having not grown up going to church how did you maybe that's how actually yeah (laughs) you didn't have it stripped out of you how did you come to a place where you had this supernatural worldview that out of which you operate now and in particular you have this real calling and um interest in the world of the prophetic and so talk about that so yes you hit the nail on the head it is because i was introduced to it far before i ever went to church Hmm. now those those experiences were pagan (laughs) you know i mean they were just that's what they were and um so you had sort of supernatural mm -hmm. occurrences yes that were outside of christianity that's right so and when I was a very young child, like so, you knew that there were things that existed beyond the physical world. Yes, even if the, you didn't have a Christian framework for understanding. That's that. correct. And some of them were positive and good, and some of them were terrifying. Yeah. And so I, you know, I will just say that one of the things that was sort of that I was delivered of when I became a Christian and almost instantaneously was a kind of fear, a sort of a, a low sort of like a a low frequency fear that just kind of traveled with me all the time because I knew I knew that there was something beyond what I could see touch taste yeah. you know um and I was not always convinced of whether or not it was good or bad because I had good and bad supernatural experiences as a young child so a very very good one <clears throat> was um was 
just having this sort of being overwhelmed by the love of God when I was a, a young girl and then asking my dad just impulsively, you know, what is God? Hmm. So I was about six or seven when I asked that question. I actually wrote about it in an article in Firebrand, but, um, and he didn't have a great answer for me, but the very next day, his truck or not his truck, his van got stuck in a ditch and the man who came to pull him out when my dad went to thank him by paying him money, um, I happened to be standing next to my dad when this happened. He said, no, no, you know, keep your money. Don't thank me. Thank Jesus Christ. So the day before I had asked, I had mm. had this experience of being overwhelmed by love and then asking my dad, what is God? Now, I don't know where I came up with that question and him not really being able to give me a, an answer and then the next day somebody helps us out of a ditch mm. and says thank Jesus Christ I know that for some people connecting all those narrative dots is a little bit of a stretch but I don't know you start to have enough experiences of the supernatural and of God in particular and you're like no that's exactly how he works Yeah. so and a very negative experience was just as a young girl having a like a an elementary school sleepover at a friend's house and that um very common thing that children will do sometimes is play with a Ouija board my friend happened to have one and we did and I can just say it was the worst night of sleep I ever had just just an underlying sense of fear not being safe feeling watched and um yeah so I had those experiences long before I came to Jesus. When I came to Jesus, I immediately had a framework for, oh, something bigger than me. Yeah. And then uh, I had this this lifelong journey of sorting out the difference between the good and the bad, which was not immediately obvious to me. And then it wasn't until I was in my 30s that um, that somebody said to me, hey, you know, do you, well, I knew what the gifts were because I read scripture, but somebody specifically said to me, do you think you might be prophetic? And I was like, no, I don't. (laughs) I didn't think I was at all. But um, people kept saying it to me and to the point where my husband was like, you should probably, you know, look into that. And, um, and I did. And I don't know, I would say the primary thing, the primary process of unfolding that gift and just letting it take root in my life, it, it, the thing that made that happen was humility. Hmm. A lot of people have tremendous gifts. Like they sit in offices, spiritual offices. They have wonderful gifts. But there's a type of false pride that prevents them from from just letting the Lord do what he wants to do with your life. And you, you, because you think, oh, well, no, no one should look at me that way. I'm not an authority on blah, blah, blah. Don't worry. You're not. It is the Lord at work in you. And I think when I wrapped my head around the fact that it really wasn't me, that it was the Lord, then I, then it started to just manifest in good ways. Yeah. Not just dumb ways. Now you've had a lot of interesting experiences. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I mean, uh, we've we've uh, our team has had some together, and you've also been a part of a lot of prayer ministry and deliverance ministry yeah. and all kinds of things. Um, and so, what would you say? Uh, I know because I know that's kind of a passion for you. Mm. To an average person who may be listening to this and 
sitting in a church that really doesn't, you know, maybe technically believes that supernatural things are real, like because they believe that God can heal someone or something like that because it's in the Scripture, but has never actually had any of those, and maybe it's not in a church context that has yeah. that actually has a supernatural worldview. What would you say to someone like that? Uh, how do you begin to to open yourself up to a Christian life that goes beyond just, you know, the tangible stuff in front of your face? I think that that can happen in a lot of different ways. The way that I think personally, in my opinion, the way that I think is most beneficial is the the approach that ultimately is also going to lead to sanctification. So what I think people should do is to pray earnestly and to ask the Lord to reveal himself to you. So whether that's in prayer, um, you know, seeking the Lord's voice or ask the Lord, ask someone else, you know, the Lord to send someone to you. And then I think that people need to take very seriously the process of discernment and finding someone. I I didn't have anyone. So when the conversation about prophecy and prophetic gifts in my life first started, you know, I had my husband. That was it. And so I, I just started to pray, Lord, send me someone who can help me understand this. And he did. One woman. She was the wife of a pastor of a church that we happened to be attending, and we attended for less than a year. Wow. And in that time, uh, just a foundation and an acceptance of that gift was formed. So the Lord will answer those prayers, and that's my personal opinion about how that should be pursued. You can also, and I don't think these are bad, go to conferences where you're going to be utterly pushed out of your comfort zone. But if you know that's ultimately going to turn you off, like create a barrier, then just go slow and, you know, seek the Lord in prayer. I am not one for chasing experiences. I don't always think that that's the experience for the experience sake is not why the Lord encounters people. Yeah. Um, but he's really gracious. And in the beginning of a person's journey, he will like show up. This is not a hard process at all. Like God is so good and he's so gracious and he's so merciful. If you pray very simple prayers, Lord, show me that you are something beyond what I can, my five senses can assess. Oh, he will do it. Yeah. He will do it. So that's, that's what I think people should do. And I think it's really, really, really okay to be curious about miracles. Yeah. Like to say, I want to see someone healed, Lord. I want to see that. I prayed that prayer all the time. And then I watched someone get out of a wheelchair. I'll never forget that for as long as I live. Mm. Yeah. So, Amen. yeah. All right, I have a, a one last question. I know we have to wrap up. Emma, yeah. do you have anything, any, uh, you want to throw at Maggie before oh, we wrap geez. up? I don't. face is so hot. Oh, I don't think so. This is Ask really her wonderful. something really hard. I don't have any really hard questions. What's the one thing you've never told another person except for your spouse that you want to share? Yeah, with I'm not whole- doing that here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. Yikes. Um, okay, well then, let's wrap up with this. Uh, this has been fun. I, I love getting to hear your story. I know some of these things, but it's just it's cool to hear. What I hear is just every step of the way is just the provenient grace of God. Yes, amen. Meeting you at every step, even when you didn't realize what, what he was doing, mm-hmm. he was wooing you, drawing you in. Always. Yeah. That's true. Um, okay, so 
given everything that you've discussed and your own experience and and your experience um, for the last year or two or however long you've been a part of this team, it all blends together in it my mind. It really does. Uh, you know, we get to work with a lot of different churches and a lot of different kinds of churches and a lot of different places. What's your longing for the church right now? I mean, you love the church. You've been a part of many churches. Your husband's a pastor. What's, you know, out of that love for the church, what do you long to see? I I long to see, so conceptually, the way I would say it is, is I want to see a church that is actually dangerous to the powers of darkness in the world. And so in my mind, what that looks like is a church that is not overly focused on self-preservation. A church that is like, I'm willing to lay everything down on the line so that more people can know Jesus and so that Jesus can be the center of this community. So what does that look like in my mind? That just looks like everything about the Christian life just being normal, that we... You know, there's I mean, <laughs> there's a song, actually, I just heard it yesterday, and um, it's a Bethel song, and it's called Send Me. And, you know, it, it's like if there are feet that need to be bound, send me. You know, if help me to get along with people, even if we don't see the world the same way, you know, Lord, send me because I'm trustworthy, because I carry your love. And I think that's the thing I want people to understand. If you carry God's love, you have what you need for every situation that you really do. And that's, I want to see the conviction for that in the church. And I think that would be truly, truly dangerous for the powers of darkness in the world. Amen. Well, uh, to that end, I think, would you would you just say a brief prayer for folks that are listening, uh, just for church leaders, lay folks, pastors that may be listening to this episode, just just pray for that reality. Okay. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we praise you because you are good, and whatever you do is good. Holy Spirit. I pray now that you would encounter each person who is listening to this podcast and Lord, that you would spark the imagination of your people to see what is possible, what is possible so far beyond personal experience. Lord, let us not shrink you down to our merely lived experience. Father, ignite hunger in the hearts and souls of your children and Lord, give them a deep, and unabating compassion for those who are lost and needing you. Put the words that people need to hear in the mouths of your children so when they go out, they can speak them. And Father, I pray for each person listening who desires to grow in your power and in the gifts of the Spirit and in miracles like healing and prophecy. Father, answer their prayers, hear their cries. Lord, raise up your church. And let us just be an army willing to sacrifice everything for you. I pray these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you. Thank you, Maggie. And I know I, for one, I'm so grateful that you keep saying yes to Jesus and that you're a part of this Spirit and Truth family. Well, I am too. (laughs) Three. (laughs) All right. 
Well, sounds good. Thanks for listening, you guys. All right. Bye-bye. That's been our podcast for today, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Remember to hit that subscribe button and please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. For more information on Spirit and Truth and the ministry and resources that we provide, head on over to our website, spiritandtruth.life, and there you'll find everything you need. We'll come back to you in the next conversation.